How do the people of God respond to chaos? How do we how do we respond when the earth shifts beneath our feet? And how do we respond in the midst of what we've seen this week in the face of insurrection, in the face of COVID, uh, knowing that people have been hospitalized? How do we respond just in the normalness of, of life when just normal things happen? Somebody this week slipped and fell and needs an x-ray. Somebody else has an abscess on the tooth and needed to get uh, get medication for that. How do we deal with just the the... <clears throat> The, the moments in life that leave us kind of shaken and moved. How do, we, how do we respond? How do I respond? And of course, for myself, having not preached for the last four Sundays, how do I prepare a sermon? I've almost forgotten how to do that. Earlier this week, I, I sent out a voice note, kind of in an attempt to, to just offer some encouragement and hope in the midst of all the chaos. And uh, I read to you from Psalm 46, and I want to do that again this morning and read Psalm 46 and we'll go through the psalm together and find hope there. Psalm 46, it's a well-known psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. <clears throat> the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Psalm 46 was Martin Luther's favorite psalm. That would be Martin Luther the reformer from the 1500s, not Martin Luther King the civil rights activist of the 1960s. Some people get confused about that. Luther used to say to his friend, a guy called Melanchthon, he used to say, come, let us sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst. Well, that's a nice attitude to have had this week. Let's sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst. This Psalm then became the inspiration for modern Luther's well-known hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's not a terribly complicated psalm. I think you, if you read it, you, you heard it, you saw it, there are just three simple parts to the psalm. Each of them ends with that word, selah. Selah is a Hebrew word. It's never been translated into English, largely because it's a difficult word to translate. We don't really have an English word that captures it. It's actually a musical term. And it means something along the lines of pause, reflect, stop here for a moment, think about what you've just sung. It's a whole lot easier to say Selah than to say that whole 
long mouthful uh, in the middle of the Psalms there. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to work through the psalm, each portion of the psalm, and then pause for a moment to reflect on what's just been said. So we don't really know what prompted the psalm to be written. Some think it has to do, well, we assume it has to do with one of the times when the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by enemies. Some think perhaps it was during the, the when Sennacherib's army came, and you may remember that story. The city of Jerusalem had been under siege for months, um, and the people were, were terrified. This was all going to end badly, and yet in the night, the angel of the Lord came, and, and 180,000 soldiers died outside the city. Or perhaps you would think of another time when, when Hezekiah was king of Jerusalem, and again, an Assyrian army had gathered outside the walls and, and the city was under siege for two years. Uh, there was cannibalism in the city. Famine uh, was rampant. Um, and again, people thought, this is the end. It's all going to end here. And the Lord caused thunder in the night. The people of the armies outside the Assyrians thought that, that allies of Israel had come to help them. And they packed their bags and fled. And so the people of Israel woke up in the morning and looked out the walls to see that the army that had been there for two years had just suddenly vanished in the night. In the midst of political upheaval and impending disaster, God had rescued his people. And the point of the psalm for us this morning is to see that in the midst of disaster, in the midst of upheaval, and in the midst of the mess, God is our refuge. God is our strength. He is our very present help. In our time of need. And so in those first few verses we see first of all God in the tumult. God in the midst of chaos. God in the mess. God in the noise. And here's what the psalmist sees. He sees mountains shaking. He sees seas raging. He sees all in chaos. He sees the natural world in chaos. And goes how do we respond? Now remember for the ancients uh, the idea of the ocean was, well, it wasn't a nice place to go for a holiday. We still think about going to the seaside for a day trip or a day out or a holiday away. They would not go to the oceans for a holiday. Surfing was not an option for the ancients. The, the, we go down to the ocean, many people find it peaceful to sit on the beach and watch the, 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 the rollers just roll in, the waves come up the shore. But for people, the ancient people, the people of those days, the ocean was seen as a place of chaos. It was a place that was filled with monsters. Only madmen dabbled their toes in the shallows. Only, only crazy people frolicked with abandon in the waves. And so here's what he's describing here. The chaos and uncertainty of the natural world that has come, become even more chaotic. And it's not just the oceans that have become chaotic. He speaks about the mountains that are shaking. He talks about those things that are permanent and solid suddenly becoming temporary and uncertain. The city of Jerusalem was set on a, on a hilltop, on a mountain. And psalmist is, though the psalmist is saying, the mountain that we're on has shaken. He's looking at Mount Hermon just in the distance and going, that mountain has shaken. What do we do when unmovable things begin to shake? Imagine those poor people in Cape Town so proud of their little hill in the center of their town. 
how freaked out they would be to wake up one morning and find that it's moved a couple of kilometers off to the left and has ended up in the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, would they even be able to navigate around their city without that mountain where it is? Because anytime you're in Cape Town, everyone will tell you, just keep the mountain to your right or, or head towards the mountain and turn left. Uh, everything revolves around that mountain. <coughs> and when that thing that is solid and immovable and, and permanent has been moved, when your, the thing that your life has been revolved around moves half a kilometer to the left, what do you do? Now I said that this was about the natural world, but actually, what is the mountain, what is the little hill that your life orients around? What is that one stable, certain thing in your life that holds you together? And what happens to you when that one certain thing shifts? When you've oriented your life around the hill of personal success and of finance and suddenly the economy tanks? When the permanent structure of the immovable watercrest mall is shaken and is gone and you can't do retail therapy through the week, what do you do? What do you do? What happens when the floods come? Do you think we were the only people in a mess this week? Anyone notice in the midst of our chaos, the floods in Germany and Belgium? 200 people died as a result of the floods. More people died in Belgium and Germany than died in KZN. Raging waters that swept through the towns. And so what do you do when, when the flood waters rise and you're doing your best just to stay afloat? And I know some of you in your businesses have felt like that over the last couple of years. You're just trying to, t trying to stay afloat. It has felt in the last few weeks as though the, the waters have begun to subside and you can breathe and you don't need the life preserver anymore. And suddenly this week comes. And once again, you're trying to just keep your head above water. You've been swept away by the chaos of life. What do you do? What do you do when that chaos erupts? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of us drown. A lot of us just can't find our way out because the mountain's gone and we can't locate ourselves. We don't know where we are and we don't know where we're going anymore. We end up a mess and we end up swept out by the chaos. But here's what the psalmist says. Though those things happen around me, I will not fear. I wonder how many of you were a little bit fearful this week. How many of you had elevated anxiety levels? I was, I was somewhat nervous a couple of times during this week. There were times when I was afraid. I had to keep reminding myself, do not be anxious for anything, but by prayer and petition, cast all your anxieties on Him, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Having to repeat that to myself, I will not fear. And here's why we will not fear. The psalmist says, God is my refuge my fortress. I stopped at Mark and Jackie's home this week. Um, they had some groceries to just help with a few folk in need. So I stopped by to pick them up, stopped, stopped at their front door and glanced in. And uh, I, they've converted their lounge into a fort. Well, with the help of the children. 
the chairs have been pulled together, blankets have been put over the chairs, so it's a nice hidey hole. And I said to Mark, is, is this your fort for when things go bad this week? Yep, he says, this is where we're hiding out. <laughs> now, I'm not so sure how secure I would feel in there, but you know, each to their own. The city of Jerusalem was a fortress. It's a city on a hill with thick walls. It is a perfect defensive position. And yet the people living in that, in that city, in that fortress, were feeling less than secure. And the psalmist has to say, here's my security. Despite the fact that we're living in this, what appears to be a secure city, here's where my security really is. Here's why I do not fear. Not because of the thick walls of the city of Jerusalem. Not because I put my head under a blanket and pretend that nothing's happening out there. God is my fortress. God is my refuge. God is the place that I run to when chaos reigns. When the things that your life has been built on shift. When the storms of life threaten everything that you've built up. I flee. I unashamedly run away. And I find refuge in the only place that is always secure. God is my refuge. God is my strength. A very present help in trouble. Don't you love that? The presence of God. God is here. God is in the turmoil. God is in the chaos. Our world has been rocked this week. The things that we thought were stable have appeared to be rather fragile instead. The people that we thought would always be there are looking vulnerable. Many found that the things that they had placed their security in just wasn't so secure anymore. You can't eat a bank balance. Many mountains have shifted. Floods have been unleashed. And the psalmist says, God is my refuge, the place where I flee to. Therefore, I will not be afraid. Selah. Meditate on this. What rocked you the most this week? What shook you? What mountain shifted for you? Have you lost some sense of who you are and where you are and where you're going? Is mild panic setting in because the floodwaters are rising? Selah. Think on this. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. If the first part of that psalm was about God in the chaos, the second part of the psalm is about God in the city. God in the city, God among his people. And while, while the first part of the psalm expressed or, or, or gave a focus to, to the natural disaster, the natural world to express what's going on, the second part of the psalm speaks about the geopolitical forces of the world. Nations rage, kingdoms totter. Instead of oceans raging and mountains shaking, now it's kingdoms and nations. The political world is an unstable place. And just to give ourselves some perspective on this week, do you remember what happened in Haishi just a couple of days before anarchy erupted here? Their president was assassinated last week in a hail of bullets in his bed at night. An attempted coup took place there. Or think about Nigeria just a couple of days before that where yet again a hundred um, school kids were kidnapped and rushed off into the, into the forest somewhere. 
And then a message comes from the kidnappers to the parents. You need to send food or your kids will starve. And you're going, what? I thought kidnapping was an all-in-one bed and breakfast deal. Apparently not. <coughs> Go back a week before that to the attack on the marketplace in Tigray in Ethiopia. Where hundreds died there. Or think about the advance of the Taliban in Afghanistan. Or look back a bit further to, to the attack on the Capitol and the U.S. government uh, in Washington, D.C. No, my point is not to say, hey, look, it's much worse than the world around us. My point is, to, is this. It's to say that geopolitics is always an unstable and moving thing, no matter where you live. Nations will continue to battle nations. Ideologies will be pushed, generally to promote the interests of a few over the rest. And it will continue to do so throughout history. And it would appear that what we've lived through is more than just crime, more than even protest, but it's actually insurrection, an attempt at I don't know, economic terrorism and a, a plan to unseat a legitimate government. Nations rage. This kingdom, this democracy, tottered. And there is no political system that is permanent or that can offer permanent solutions. No empire will last forever. Rome boasted a thousand-year empire, lasted a couple of hundred years. Great Britain, the empire over which the sun never set, is uh, feeling a sense of dusk right now. The thousand-year Reich, that lasted five years. A little bit of an overstatement there from Adolf, I think. Communism. Pick anyone. And the empire that we built, the legacies that we're leaving behind, the great name that we're building for ourselves, Sorry to burst your bubble, but it just isn't permanent. It simply will not last. It will all topple in the blink of an eye. Nations rage. Kingdoms top, topple. But there is a city that is permanent. There is a kingdom that will not fall. In the last 2,000 years, we've had Rome. We've had the Han and the Ming dynasty. We've had the Mongolian Empire and Genghis Khan. We've had the Spanish colonialization of the Americas. We've had the Great British Empire. We've had communism. We've had fascism. We've had apartheid. Some are suggesting that we're nearing the end of neoliberal capitalism. We have witnessed the expansion of, of the McDonald's Empire. And the only institution that has outlasted all of them, the church, the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that the old heroes of the faith, Abraham, Enoch, Moses, they all of them looked ahead to a better city. A city of firm foundations whose designer and builder is God. And just to be clear, they were not looking ahead and looking forward to something built in the Middle East. They long for, Hebrews tells us, a better country, a heavenly one. And God has prepared a city for them. And then in Hebrews 12, the very next chapter, we read this. That we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This world and its empires are impermanent. They will be shaken. They will collapse. But we are part of a kingdom that will remain forever. And so here's what the psalmist, what, what gives the psalmist hope. He says that God is in the midst of the city. God is among his people. God is where his people are. 
and he talks about this river that runs through the city of God, which is kind of weird because there is no river in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a strange city. Most cities around the world build themselves on or next to a river. Think of London and the River Thames, Newcastle and the, uh, the, the Tyne River. Um, think of our own city built right next to Amgeni. Uh, most cities build themselves around waterways. But Jerusalem is on a hill a long way from the river. But when the city was threatened, King Hezekiah diverted the river, disguised where it had gone, and brought, dug a tunnel and brought the river into the city. And that, that river brought life to a city that was under siege and that was facing famine and, uh, and drought. And the people in the city, in the midst of siege, siege, had access to fresh water. But this psalm is about more than just a little stream diverted into the city of Jerusalem. Right through the Bible, streams and rivers often refer to life and the Spirit of God. And so when you read about the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, there you read about a, a river that flows from the, through the city that comes from the throne itself. It's, it's an image that's taken from the book of Ezekiel that speaks of a river flowing out of the temple. And it's an image of life and the life-giving hope of the Spirit of God among His people. God is with us. The psalmist says, the, the Lord of hosts is with us. In, the, in your darkest moment, you're not alone because God is present. And this week, in the moments of fear and confusion and doubt and despair, God was with you. In the week that lies ahead as we're trying to put things back together and get on with life and rebuild the system, God is with you. And when sickness hits and when the economy tanks and when relationships break down, God is with us. We are not alone. Selah. To what extent is your hope in, in a political system? Be assured of this. God is with you. We've seen God in the noise. We've seen God in the city. In this last section of the psalm, we see God over all the earth. And it begins with an invitation. Come. Come and see. And it's almost as though God's saying, come and take a walk with me. Come and have a look. And if you were in Jerusalem back then, under siege, it would be God saying, come and have a walk to the walls. And let's look outside the city and let's see what has happened. And you look outside and you see the enemy has gone. The tents are abandoned. Come and see what God has done. And there is a sense in the psalm of open your eyes and look. Look up and see what God has done. And I know, I know there, there are times and perhaps times this week when, you, when, you, when we do look and still say, it doesn't look like he's doing enough. Those kids in Nigeria are still missing. The flood victims in Europe are still dead. Our economic structures are still ruined. Where is God? I look and all I see is destruction. And the psalmist would say, look further. Look higher. Look and see how God has worked through the ages for His glory. And so God says here in the psalm, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted over all the earth. God and His glory will fill all. One commentator I read this week said, The outcome is peace, but the process is judgment. He makes wars cease. 
This is not God using gentle persuasions. This is God forcibly commanding a devastated world. God will one day judge the wicked and the righteous. But even now, God makes peace with his enemies. He has made peace with you. He offers you and me his shalom. Not a guarantee of a stress-free, easy life in South Africa, but a guarantee of, li of a life of peace with Him, where the war with Him is over. And as more and more people enter into His peace, so His kingdom expands and advances, and as the kingdom grows, so His glory expands and fills the earth. And one day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for now, be still. Be still. A better translation of that verse 10 is, cease striving. Cease and desist. Stop fighting. Stop your push against him. And be still. And I think there's a different kind of focus to this, to what we often see it to be. This word, be still and know that I'm God, is not so much a word of comfort for the harassed. It's a rebuke for a restless and turbulent world. It's actually the same word that Jesus used when he calmed the storm. When the disciples were saying, Lord, we're going to die. The waves are going to uh, envelop us. We're going to drown. And Jesus stands up and he rebukes the waves and says, be still. It's the same word. This is God in our world. This is God in the chaos. God commanding peace. And this is for you. Be still. Be still. Look up and know that God is in control. Look up and see a sovereign God who, who rules all things. And even when the world around us appears out of control, we can look up and see the Lord of hosts, the sovereign God on his throne. Selah. Think on this. God over all the earth. Not some localized deity stuck in a corner somewhere. Not a, a little God disinterested in the human affairs. But rather the judge of the whole earth commanding and speaking into the chaos. Be still. Be still. And perhaps that's God speaking to you this morning. Perhaps your heart is still at odds and in a war right now <clears throat> with him. Perhaps there's some anger in there and you're fighting God's peace. You're feeling the resentment that has built up this week. You perhaps still have within you a sense of how dare they do this. Perhaps you're feeling the fear. You're feeling the anxiety rising within you. You're like the disciples in the boat saying, Lord, don't you care that we're drowning? Perhaps you feel that. But then hear the command of God to your restless, rebellious, turbulent soul. Stop fighting. Cease and be still. Stop striving. Be at peace. Look up. Look up and see the sovereign king on his throne above the earth. Because he rules. So you don't need to build a fort 
out of cushions in your lounge. You don't need to hide your head under a blanket today. There is a better refuge. Come and see the glory of God over all the earth. God is in the chaos. God is among his people. God is exalted over all the earth. Be still and know that he is God. Let's pray. Well, this morning in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the uncertainty, we look up. We lift our eyes to you. And Lord, we need to, many of us need to this morning, heed your command to stop fighting. And stop resisting you. To be still. For many of us, the anger is there. For many of us, the bitterness. For some, it boils over into, into racism. For many, the anxiety works its way through. We continue to be in fear. Lord, we need to heed your words this morning. To be still. And so, Lord, open our eyes that we may see. May we look up. May we see you in the midst of chaos when the mountains are shifted. May we see you in your city that will not be shaken when our city is shaken. May we recognize that you are king over all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. God is our refuge and our fortress. We shall not be afraid. Thank you, folk. I will see you next Sunday with some grape juice and some bread. Don't forget to call if you need anything this week.